what gets me fired up is, is we're seeing people growing as disciples. We're seeing people who are worshiping Christ on Sunday mornings, who are walking with Christ in, in small groups and who are working for Christ uh, in their active service. We've had more people than we've ever had before in small groups. We have more people than we've ever had before in serving in an active ministry. That's what gets me fired up because our church is growing. And two weeks ago, we were right here in Ephesians chapter four. We were looking uh, at verses uh, seven through 16, and we saw this, uh, how we grow as a church. And so this morning, here in verse 17, uh, this is what we're going to see. This is how we grow uh, personally, all right? So here's my, here's my question for you. Uh, just because our church is growing doesn't automatically mean that you are growing. Are you growing? It's kind of dangerous to assume that just because we're doing okay, that that automatically means that I'm doing okay. Are you growing? My, my lovely wife, uh, when she was growing up, she had a couple of sisters, and uh, at one point when they were really little, in fact, her uh, youngest sister was like three years old at the time, she decided that she was going to jump off of the top bunk in the bunk bed, and she was attempting to land on uh, one of those beanbag chairs, you know what I'm talking about? Apparently, she missed the beanbag and broke her arm. Not surprising, not good, but not like the end of the world, right? I mean, kids break stuff all the time. It happens, right? Well, here's the problem. Here's the problem. She actually broke the radial tip in her elbow, which apparently the doctors were really concerned because there was a risk that the bone in her arm would literally stop growing. Now, I told you she was three years old, so think about this just for a minute. The rest of her body's going to keep growing, and you can see the problem here. If, if, if that were to happen, right? No, 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 she's fine. She's okay. Good news. But I kind of want you to have that scary image in your mind when I'm asking you this. Are you growing? Because our church, the body of Christ here at Harvest Fairfax is growing. But let's make it personal, okay? Paul has been encouraging us and sharing with us how we can grow corporately, but then he throws this warning in uh, so that we don't miss the urgency that we all need to be making sure that we are growing personally. And, and so this text that we're looking at, starting in verse 17 through 24, I'm just letting you know, this kind of gives you uh, maybe the secret to grow, or, or maybe a better way of looking at it is the steps to grow. You ready to look at this? Let's go. Verse 17. You ready? You follow along with me as I read. Paul says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that it, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, watch this, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness 
and holiness. Father, would you even speak to us in these moments? We love your word. Thank you for uh, what a privilege it is to be a part of your church, and we see you are working. God, we've been praying all year. God, work, and you've been answering that prayer. We give you praise for that, but would you encourage our hearts this morning? Would we look at these things? Would we examine our own lives, and would we see that your spirit is alive and working in our hearts to make us more like your son? Lord, we we give you praise. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, um, sometimes this is called the put off, put on principle. Okay? And I really want you to get this. Got it? I, I want you to understand this. The put off, put on. That sounds like there's only two steps. Actually, there's three here in the text. And, and I'm going to give these to you right off the bat. I know you note takers are going to love this. I'm just going to give it to you all up front, right at the beginning, just so that you know the steps. You ready? Here's what it is. The first step is to put off the old, and then you renew your mind, and then last, you put on the new. Put off the old, renew your mind, and put on the new. You got it? Got it? Turn to your neighbor and say, got it? I really, really want you to get this. In fact, I want you to get it so bad that I, uh, if you don't already, w- would you just underline this in your Bible? Would you circle this? Would you star this? If it's already underlined in your Bible, then do your neighbor a favor and just reach over and help them with it. Just make sure that this is indicated in your Bible. It's okay for you to write in this because we're gonna come back to this again and again and again. I want you to memorize this. I want you to put this into action. Why? Because I love you and I want you to grow. And, and, and if you're struggling, if you've got an area in your life where you know, yeah, I kind of need to grow here, and, and you come up to talk to me about it, guess where we're going to go? We're going to flip open to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to say, okay, what, what, do we, what do we do here? How do we grow? Here's, here's how we grow. We put off the old, we renew our minds, and we put on the new. Do you want to grow? Uh, let me ask you this. Do you, can you remember a time in your Christian walk where you were just on fire? Do you remember a time like that where you know like it, 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 you, you were really, really growing then, but kind of lately it seems like maybe you've stalled out a little bit and not seeing quite as much energy, not really feeling like you're growing? Do you, do you sense that you're growing in putting off sin? Are you experiencing victory over sin lately? I know in our small group at the end, um, oftentimes uh, we'll have the guys break up into one room and the ladies break up into another, and we'll ask two questions. Uh, it's, it's good for us to have accountability like that. And we'll ask the question, first question, uh, what, what, what have you been, what's one struggle that you've had this week? Because we care about those things. And we want to pray for those things and encourage you and help you out. But then we ask a second question because we're also concerned that you would have one victory this week. Have you had a victory this week? So if I were to ask you that question, would you have an answer? Are you seeing victory in your life? If you're going to grow, we've got to learn these steps to put off, renew our minds, and to put on the new self. Now many of you have undoubtedly noticed that I am wearing a Dallas Cowboys Jersey, I see you shaking your heads at me. And I know that a lot of you are wondering, I know it's in your head because it would be in my head, like, why? What, what are you thinking? Why? 
Don't you know any better? Well, of course I know better. I actually wore this because I wanted to demonstrate for you what this process really looks like. So when we put off, do you know, do you know? That word literally has the idea of taking off a piece of clothing. So I'm going to demonstrate this for you so that you won't forget it. When you come, you got to put off the old self, which is corrupt through deceitful desires. Get this trash out of there. We don't want that anymore. And we're going to renew our minds in the word of God. But that's not the end, right? That's not the end because we have another step. We got to make sure that, I'm going to try to do this without like destroying my microphone here. I apologize, sound guys. This might get super loud. But we got to make sure that we are putting on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Any questions? Got it? I know some of you have some questions. Listen, I did this because I know that you'll never forget it because I want you to grow. I want you to get this down that we're going to put off the old. We're going to be renewed in the spirit of our minds and we're going to put on the new self, what God has done in our lives. Are you growing? Are you growing? Now, now let's break this down, okay? Let's, let's do one step at a time, okay? Here's the first one. Uh, put off the old. You know this, right? Put off the old. Come on, lift up your voice and say this with me. Let's say it together. Put off the old. I want you to put off the old. Verse 22 says that you would put off your old self. Now, why? Well, let me give you four reasons that I think I see here in the text, okay? If you're taking notes, here's one. That's not who you are anymore. That's not who you are anymore. He says, verse 17, uh, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. That indicates that you, uh, you used to live like them, but now there's been, there's been a change in your life. Verse 22, he's telling you to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Remember, remember, chapter 2, Paul had said at the very beginning, verse 1, he says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you walked. That's who you were before. Verse four and five, he says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. So if you are in Christ, then you have an I was, but God story. Man, I was doing my thing. I was living this way. I, 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 was, I was so engaged in all of this sin. It's just, but God stepped in and he changed my life. He saved me and I'm not who I, I was anymore. So listen, what Paul's telling you is, don't go back to living in your I was days. Don't go back there. We've been, we've been looking in the book of Ephesians. We've been seeing, um, this is kind of the mirror of God's word, right? We, we've been saying that, that what the truths that we're seeing in the book of Ephesians is like a mirror, and, and we've noticed that the contents of this mirror are in Christ. This is what we're seeing. Who you are in Christ now determines how you live. And so Paul's saying, put that off. That's not who you are anymore. Don't go living in your B.C. days before Christ, right? Romans 6, let me put this on the screen. Romans 6, uh, verse 1, I want you to see this because Paul's, Paul's kind of asking this question. Uh, what shall we say then? Are we to uh, continue in sin that grace may abound? No way, by no means. How, how could we who died to sin still live in it? That's a great question, right? 
Like, if we're dead to that, why why are we going to go back out and live in that again? Verse 6 says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Verse 11, so you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Let me tell you what you were like before. When you were dead in sin, Augustine, one of the great theologians, has said it this way, you and I were not able not to sin. You get that? Like, you couldn't not sin. It really wasn't a choice, okay? You were stuck in it. You were under the power of sin, and you couldn't have freed yourself from that sin even if you wanted to, which of course you didn't because you loved your sin. You were so under this power. You were trapped. You were dead, and what can a dead man do? Answer, nothing. You couldn't do anything about it, right? But now in Christ, he's saying you are alive, which means now we are able not to sin. You see the difference that God has made in our lives? This doesn't mean that we're perfect, that we will never sin anymore. But do you know, do you know that that, that sin has no power over you anymore? That's not who you are. Don't go back to living in that. Put that off is what he's telling you. So what that means is that any time that you go back to those porn sites or any time you go back to spewing out gossip and tearing people down with your words or any time you just have to win that argument or any time that you will go back to, to telling lies to, to cover your tracks or to make yourself uh, sound better, or, or any time that you go back to just only thinking about yourself, any time you give in to sin and to that temptation, it's kind of like you're going back out, even though that, that dead carcass has been buried, and, and you're like digging up that old, rotting, nasty, disgusting carcass, that corpse, and, and it's like you're picking up the bones with this rotting flesh, and you're, you're, you're like cuddling with it. It's kind of sick, isn't it? In fact, you should probably kind of feel like throwing up in your mouth a little bit right here. He wants you to understand why in the world would you do that? That's not who you are anymore. Brian Chappell has said it like this. If we choose to crawl into the casket with our old self, though it is dead to us, we can be corrupted by our past, but but we are not casket controlled doesn't have any power over you. That's not who you are anymore. So we put that off. That's one reason. Here's another reason. Don't follow dead guys. Don't follow dead guys. That's a really bad plan. Okay? Uh, he says, I-, I want you to no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Verse 18. Verse 18 says, they are darkened in their understanding. That's kind of ironic imagery. Because, because they think they're enlightened. You get this vibe in our culture, right? Like the, 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 the ideas and the values of, of Jesus and Christianity, they're kind of ancient and outdated, right? And we've, we've progressed. We've come to a better understanding of the world and equality. And so, so to say that somebody's lifestyle choices are wrong, to say those are, well, that's just oppressive. And, and that's, uh, that's intolerant, isn't it? Listen, they may sound enlightened, but bro, they can't see. They can't see. 
They're still dead in their sins. And it's not a matter of intelligence. It's a matter of ignorance. There's some people that are really smart, okay? And they can. They can sound incredibly impressive and convincing, but the problem is they can't see the truth. They can't see what Paul's saying, that they're alienated from the life of God. That means they're separated from him because of their hardness of heart. They don't love God. So don't follow dead people. Don't take your cues from the culture. It doesn't matter if it's in Hollywood or if it's in social media or whether it's, you know, whether it's coming out of some TED Talks or the latest New York Times bestseller. If you are taking your cues from the culture, you're driving behind a bunch of spiritually dead guys down a dead end. Don't follow them. They can't see. They don't love God. They can't see the truth that He is the only one. They're separated from the only one that could give them life. So don't follow the dead guys. That's not who you are anymore. And then here's another reason. It's a trap. It's a trap, verse 19. They have become calloused. So you got calluses. Anybody, anybody got calluses? I know like our guitar players, you get like calluses on your fingers. Here's the deal. Um, a callus happens because you're just kind of like rubbing over the same spot over and over again, Right? So, so what Paul is doing, he's giving us kind of this imagery here, and, and he's helping us understand. Sometimes it doesn't always start with a bold, outright, blatant sin. Sometimes it's just the steady rub against your conscience. The steady rub against your heart. It's those, those, those sins where you, where you think, like, it's, it, it's not that big of a deal. Like, I'm not really hurting anybody. Or I could, I could stop anytime I wanted to. There was a song that came out a few years ago by a, kind of a popular Christian artist that said this, it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. When black and white are turned to gray and thoughts invade, choices are made, a price will be paid. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. Some of you may be in danger of allowing your heart to become callous to the things of the Lord. Because of what you're watching constantly, the things that are coming out of your mouth, and where you're going, and what you're participating in, what you're doing, and the friends that you're choosing as your closest friends. And I know it may not seem like a really big deal right now today, I'm telling you, it's a trap. It's a trap. Because they've become calloused, it says, verse 19, and they have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. That's just the dead end of hedonism right there. You know, hedonism's just living for pleasure. Like, I'm, I'm all about me. And, and, and some of you know all too well that sexual sin is especially ensnaring because when you've been uh, living for yourself, you're constantly making these selfish choices. You're living for uh, pleasure. When you make these choices, can we just be honest? There's kind of a buzz, right? There's a little bit of a thrill of excitement with sin. It kind of tastes good in the moment. The problem is, once you've tasted, you always want more. And once you've crossed this line, that line just keeps going further and further back until you just go right over the cliff, right? It's a trap. And Paul is saying, put that off now. 
That's not who you are. Don't follow a bunch of dead guys. You don't want to go there. And then one more reason. You know better. You know better. Verse 20. He says, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught him in him as the truth is in Jesus. Listen, listen. You have a relationship with Jesus. He's changed your life, hasn't he? And you can know this. He has opened your eyes. You can see the truth. The gospel has changed you. So don't go back to living in ignorance. John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. There's an expectation that we will obey Christ. James 1, 22, we, don't, we, we want to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. And so if God is bringing you under conviction for some sin that you have in your life, Christ is asking you today, come on, bro, Put that off. That's not who you are anymore. We're going to get rid of this sin. Who we are now in Christ determines how we live. Well, that's just the first step in growing. And unfortunately, that's kind of where a lot of believers stop. A lot of people think like, man, if I could just get rid of this, like I hate that I have this in my life. Everything else is going great. If I could just stop this sin, this particular area, if I could get rid of that, then I'd be good. And so that's a lot of times where the focus is on our accountability, right? Just stopping sin. Let's just get rid of sin. But can I tell you, that's only one step. And you're not going to get very far if you're only taking one step. What's the next step? Where are we going? What are we replacing? And how are we supposed to be putting off the old? Well, you know it. Here it is. Second step. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Come on, lift up your voice and say it with me. Renew your mind. Verse 23, he says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Now, now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it means this. Look up here. It means you need this. It means you need God's word. Do you know that? Let me, let me explain this phrase just a little bit. That verb there, be renewed, I just want you to notice that's passive. That's passive. That's the voice of that verb. It means you're not the one doing the action, you are being acted upon by an outside force. Passive. God's got to do this work. It's the work of the Word of God. So can I ask you, has God's Word changed your life? Have you seen a difference? Because God's Word is making a difference here. Hebrews chapter 4, do you know this? Uh, he, he says the Word of God is living and active. I, I hope you know this, that this book is incredibly powerful. It's so explosively powerful that when we come into contact with it, you're either going to be repelled because you're still blind, you're still running from it, you still hate it, you're fighting it, or, or it's going to change you and you are going to be drawn into the truth because the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to change the man and woman of God more into the image of God. This is what he uses. You are not going to grow without your Bible. Not going to happen. That'd be like expecting that sink full of dishes that you have at your house. Maybe you have that at your house. That would be like expecting those dishes to suddenly just clean themselves. Not going to happen, right? Or that would be like expecting your car to go when you have no gas. Or, or to be able to sit down and watch some Netflix with no internet. Or to have a proper breakfast without bacon. It's just not going to happen, right? 
Maybe not that last part, but you know what I'm saying. What he's saying, we need this. This is God's word. This is what is going to change us. And you got to know, you have to know, this is Christ's work in us. Only he can cause you to grow. This is not something that you and I can muster up on our own. I don't want you to hear this and think that, that what I'm telling you is just do better. Try harder. You, you, you just got to work at this. Like, you just got to be better at this. Do this, do this, don't do this. No, no, no. This is God. Work in my mind. Renew who I am. I need you to work in my life. So this is, it's passive, but it's also present. That's the tense of the verb. And the present tense here is just indicating that it's ongoing. It's a continuous action. And so we have a participation in this work of the Spirit that we are going to submit to Scripture. We're going to submit to this, and it's going to be an ongoing thing. So I could ask you this. Not only has God's Word changed you, but... Is God's word changing you? Are you seeing a greater distance and distinction between who you were before Christ and who you are now? Because God is making you more like himself. Are you seeing that? If your Bible is an opening on a weekly, daily basis, you're not going to be growing. I just want to pause here for just a minute because I know that in our culture, we like fast. We like, you know, instant, microwavable Christianity. And if there was like some spiritual growth hormones, we'd like just blow it like that. We'll, we'll take that so I don't actually have to do any exercise, right? So a lot of people, that's how we think that we can grow. We almost have kind of a stair-step approach to it. Like I'm, I'm here on this plane of spirituality and then all of a sudden I'm just kind of hanging out and then all of a sudden we have this awesome Easter service. Like pfft, I'm at a new level of spirituality and then I'm just waiting, plateau, waiting. And we had this praise and worship night and it's oh man, it's like a new level of growth. And, and then, then we go to summer camp and it's like, wow, no, that's how, no, 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 no. Can I tell you? It's a grind. It's a battle of sin. It's daily getting into the word of God because there's always more to put off. And the Bible is, is bringing conviction and clarity for who we are in Christ and how he wants us to live. So if your Bible hasn't moved from the same spot you tossed it last Sunday after church, and if that's normally where you pick up your Bible, and it's actually been like two or three weeks because this whole sitting under the preaching of God's word is kind of an occasional thing for you. Can I just tell you, don't, be, don't expect that you're going to be growing. It's only when we're getting into the word of God daily where we're, going, we're hungry and thirsting for this. We know that we need it. Psalm 119.11. It says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If I want to be killing sin, if I want to see change, I want to be growing I'm not going to be putting God's word in. So we, we, I haven't asked this in a little while, but uh, you, you have a Bible reading brother, guys? Ladies, do you have a Bible reading sister? We've talked about this a lot. Uh, just, and what I mean by that is just somebody that you're reading scripture with. And maybe you get together at coffee. Me and my Bible reading brother, it's just like a half hour phone call once a week. Just to make sure that we're getting in the scriptures and then we're talking about what we're learning. Are you getting into the word of God? So it's, it's passive, but it's also present. But then notice this, it's also piercing. That's the intent of the phrase here, uh, the spirit of your minds. He's not just talking about your, your brain or your 
memory, but he's, he's indicating kind of the inner man. Actually, can we put a, a Hebrews 4 back up on the screen? I want you to see this. For the word of God is living and active. It, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, now I, I get it when we kind of separate the head and the heart. I know what we're doing there. But that's not always a helpful distinction because God's word, what he's really trying to help us understand is that's who we are on the inside. And he's saying the word of God pierces to the core of who we are so that we will uh, not only, will not only just change our minds, our thinking, but it's going to make an incredible impact on the inner core of who we are. This is kind of contrasted with your old self when you had a hard heart. You saw that in verse 18, right? That's who you were before. And now he's piercing down to the core of our being. So the question might be this. Not only has God changed you, or is the Word of God changing you, but how is the Word of God changing you? Is it changing your thinking? Because you're changing. Your, your, your thinking needs to be changed. Do you know that? There was a day, a long time ago, when uh, I used to think that I could eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted it, and however much I wanted it, and it wouldn't affect me. Like, it didn't bother me at all. In fact, I remember when I was in high school, I used to tell my dad that I thought Mountain Dew had healing powers. And part of that was because if I wasn't drinking, I was getting a headache, and it fixed it. So I was just drinking that constantly, right? And then even after we got married, man, you should have seen it. I could pound cartons of ice cream late at night wasn't going to bother me. But in the last few years, why are you laughing? <laughs> my belt and my doctor have been convincing me that I needed a change in the way I thought about my eating habits. You know what I'm talking about? Well, likewise, is it possible that you have some thinking that needs to be changed? I'm telling you, we need God's word to do it because the Bible is going to correct these, these lies, these excuses that we believe. Here's one of the lies. Maybe you've used this. It's not really my fault. It's not my fault. I mean, I was kind of, I, I was born this way or I was raised this way. This is the way I was taught. I, so it can't really be my fault. Lie. It is my fault. Scripture is helping me understand that the reason that I sin is because I want to. And those desires are wrong. I need to renew my mind. I've got to think differently about this. Or how about this lie? It's not really that big of a deal. Why? The Scripture is going to get in. It's going to help you understand. The more you get this, the more, you're going to, the more sin you're going to see. And you're also going to know there are no little sins. There's no acceptable sins. All sin is an offense to a holy God. I need to renew my mind about this. I need to think differently. And we've already mentioned this lie. You're stuck. You can never change. You'll never get out of this. That's a lie. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That's not who you are anymore. And this sin has no power over you. You are dead to that. And Scripture wants you to know because Christ has made you alive. He is at work in you now. And who you are in Christ determines how you live. So, so let me ask you, is, is God's word changing your thinking? And is it changing what you love? Because you and I, man, we love our sin. We want 
things that are not good, things that will never satisfy. We think, we think this is going to be it. Like, I, I really need to have this. And, and the reason we do this is because we've tasted of it. And because we've tasted of it, now we have an appetite for sin. But I love Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 kind of shows us the foolishness of that. It says, why, why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and your labor on that which does not satisfy? Can you imagine going to a restaurant and paying the bill but not getting any food? Like, why would you do that? That's really foolish. Why are you wasting your time and your energy? You think that these things are going to fill you up, and they're not. He says, listen to me. I want, you to, I want you to listen to the Word of God. Eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food because only God's Word shows us that Jesus, He is the bread of life. He is the living water. We can feast on what truly satisfies that when we hunger and we thirst for righteousness, we will be filled. Man, I won't need anything else. I have everything that I want in Christ because the Bible is giving me new wants, new desires. I have a new hunger because I have a new love. So is God's word changing your thinking? Is it changing what you love? And is it changing what you do? Like obviously, it's, you know, we're talking about the head and the heart here, but it kind of transfers into the hands, which is actually the third step. This is the third step in growing. Here it is, if you're taking notes, uh, put on the new. Put on the new. Come on, lift up your voice and say it with me. I want you to have this. Say it together. Put on the new. I want you to know this. Verse 24, he says, put on the new self. Off with the old, on with the new. Now, guys who are married, do you know what a honeydew list is? You know what I'm talking about? You have one of these in your house? Okay, so let's just imagine that you have a list of things that your lovely wonderful, beautiful, incredible wife that you are so thankful for has, amen, has written these things. That was well played, by the way. She's written a list of things for you to do, okay? I want you to imagine that on that honeydew list, it says this, light bulb is burnt out in closet. Now, you tell me how it is going to go in your house if you take care of said burnt light bulb by unscrewing it and throwing away. And that's all you do. I mean, like, that's all you've done. How is that going to go in your household? I mean, technically, you took care of the problem that was listed, right? I mean, so should be okay. Well, likewise, here, here. So glad that you put off that sin. So glad that you've seen that that's, that's not something that I need to be engaged with. I'm so glad that you're getting accountability for that. You're repenting of that sin. You're wanting to change. You don't want to be like that anymore. But what are you replacing it with? What are you replacing that sinful pattern of behavior or that sinful pattern of thinking? What is going on in its place? Put off the old. But listen, listen. Don't forget to put on the better jersey. Don't forget this step, okay? So God wants us, and, and in fact, he's telling us the rest of chapter 4, and I think even to chapter 5, Paul's going to give us these examples of what this putting off and putting on principle really looks like. We're going to look at that more next week, but just so you understand what I'm saying, look at verse 25, just real quick. Verse 25, he says, therefore, having put away, there's the kind of the put off uh, language there, having put away falsehood. So you tell me, what are we supposed to put off according to that verse? Falsehood, put off lying and let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. So what do we put on in its place? Speaking truth. You get it? You got it? We're going to put this off. That, that's, that's the old self. We're not going to live like that anymore. 
But there's always something that we're putting on to replace it. We're putting on the new self, he says, verse 24, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And I just, I just want to point something out to you about that word created there. That's the same Greek word that he used in chapter 2, verse 10. You'll remember this. For we are his workmanship. Here it is. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And also in verse 15, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. You know what that tells me? You didn't make yourself new. God did that. And if anyone is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 tells us, he is a new creation. And the old is gone. Behold, the new has come. So again, I just want to be careful that we're not turning this into some legalistic list of rules, right? Like, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. That's not what he's talking about. We are made alive. We are made new by the work of Christ. That's his work in, in us. And so he's making us more like Jesus, but we have to be willing to submit to that work. So he has created the new man, but he's asking us, don't forget to put it on. I want you to put on that new self because he wants us to grow in holiness as he is holy. Are you growing personally? Are you growing? By God's grace, I believe that this is a church where you can grow. God's working. And this is a place where you can grow in your walk with Christ. Where you're going to learn what it looks like to put off the old. Get rid of that sin. And to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Under the preaching and under the reading and instruction of God's word. And we will learn to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Are you growing? Let me ask you two final questions. Are you doing this? Are you doing this? Is God bringing something to mind? An area of your life where you know? Amen, I'm not really submitting there. And that needs to change. What is it? Are you putting that off and thinking differently? Are you getting in the Word of God? Come on. You're not going to grow without, without the Bible. And are you putting on the new self? But let me ask you one more question. Can you help someone else do this? Can you help someone else do this? I, I want you to know you are competent to counsel. Do you know that? I actually want to unleash you to do this. This is what it means to stir one another up to love and good deeds. And so maybe you have a brother, sister, a friend. You're talking to them and you realize, man, they're just struggling with something. We're going to go one more step than just like, oh, man, brother, we're going to pray for you. Okay, like glad you're going to pray for them because it's God's work that's going to change them. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to learn to flip open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to say, okay, what does this look like? We're going to grow. How do we, what do we need to put off here? Is there thinking that needs to change? What's going on? What, 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 are there some desires that need to change? God's Word's going to reveal that. And what do we need to put on in its place? Can you help someone else grow? Our church is growing, and I believe by God's grace, all of us 
can be growing personally. Amen? Lord, thanks for your word. We just, we praise you that you have given us this truth. We thank you that you have enabled us. It is your spirit's power alive and at work making us more like your son. Lord, I love that you're, when, when you reveal sin to us, you're not just allowing us to wallow in that sin, but you're showing us those sins because you want us to put those off. You want us to think differently, to have different loves, different desires. And you've created us. You created us as new creations. And God, we want to live like it so that we're bringing you glory and honor. Lord, we are so thankful that you have been answering our prayer. We've been praying that you would work in our church, that we would work in our community. And we are seeing the fruit as you answer that prayer. And we are careful to give you praise for that. That's your work. And we thank you for it. Would you also do a work in my heart? Because I want to grow. I want to be more like you. We love you, God. Thank you for giving us your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray.